Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Tidings Radio broadcast here on the airways of WXAN Radio. We're glad you're tuned in today. I am your radio pastor, Brother David Pinkerton. It is the 22nd day of October in the year of our Lord Jesus, 2022. We're glad you're listening by any means that you're listening to us from. It could be the internet at www.wxanradio.com, or it may be here if you're driving in the region, 103.9 FM. 103.9 FM, we're glad you're tuned in today. Hey, I want you to support this ministry prayerfully and financially. Bless Brother Danny and the good folks here as they try to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Word of God going forward and the best gospel music on this side of heaven. It's gorgeous. I love the music that we play here. So we're glad to be a very small part of the WXAN family. I'm thankful to the Lord and thankful to Brother Danny for that opportunity. But I am uh, your radio pastor, Brother David Pinkerton. Glad you're tuned in today. I do want to invite you again to the J City Church, Johnston City, Illinois. Sunday school, 930. Church service, 1030. Sunday mornings. We go live stream at jcitychurch.com. 1030. Goes from 1030 to 1130. Why don't you come and be with us? We'd love to meet you on Saturdays at between 530 and 6. We will feed the community. So drive up to the church parking lot. Come on up. We'll be glad to feed you a wholesome, nutritious meal prepared by state certified cooks in a safe and sanitary environment. And we'll be glad to share them with you. But we'd love to have you come and visit us. J City Church, Johnston City, Illinois. 9.30, 10.30 Sunday mornings, 7 o'clock is our Wednesday night prayer service. Come and be with us, okay? If you need to get a hold of me, feel free to get a hold of me at drdave13 at gmail.com. D-R-D-A-V-E-1-3 at gmail.com. All right, I want to get right into the scripture this morning. This is the Good Tidings radio broadcast, and Jesus is the good tidings that we're lifting up. We share Jesus Christ unashamedly, unapologetically, but we also are here to exhort the brethren, uh, build up the Christian through the Word of God, but also to evangelize the lost and encourage every preacher, every deacon, every Christian listening into the sound of our voice. We want to be an encouragement to you. So today, here we are at the latter end of October, October the 22nd, and I want to speak to you this morning on the devil the born-again believer, and the devil. So open your Bibles, please, to James chapter 4 and verse 7. James chapter 4 and verse 7. I want us to look at four things today. The enemy that we face, the exhortation to fight, the encouragement to fight, and the example to follow. How is the Christian to deal with with Satan, the devil. James chapter 4 and verse 7. Open your Bibles, please. Call your friends. Text them right now. Tell them the good tidings. Radio broadcast is on. Let's look at God's Word together. James chapter 4 and verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, 
seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Christians, listen up real close, okay? Draw close. Listen to what God's Word is saying today. Have you ever known a a young person or any Christian person who was brought up in a good, solid, fundamental, Bible-believing church? Maybe they even attended a Christian school. They lived a separated, dedicated life to Christ. Uh, Their parents were faithful in family devotions every night. Yet that young person, when they got older, became rebellious, yielded to temptation, and went out into sin. Or something similar to that. Did you ever hear that happening to a Christian? And I've heard that. You have too. And sometimes parents will say, what did we do wrong? We took them to Sunday school. We took them to church. We prayed with them. We read the Bible to them. We did what we knew to do scripturally to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and yet all of a sudden they're out in the world. What's going on? How do we explain that? Well, I want to share with you one of the answers from the Scripture that maybe is it will be helpful to you today if that's your case, or if you know someone that's this is case, their case. That's this. You taught him or her about God. You taught him or her about the Bible. You taught him or her about prayer, but you didn't teach them about their enemy. Most battles are lost because the enemy is either unknown or underestimated. The Bible warns in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, in other words, your opponent, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If every believer in the world were in service for Christ, winning souls and working for Christ, we would fill every church building in America and evangelize the world. You could go out on soul winning and ask a person, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? And they would drop their head and say, yes, I have. When I was 11 years old, I trusted Jesus in a revival meeting. And if anyone had told me that I'd be this far from God, I would not have believed it. What happened to that person, you might say? What happened to that preacher that fell? What happened to that Christian that fell and backslid and got into sin? What happened, folks? No, we're not throwing stones. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. We're exposing who the enemy is today, Satan. I know preachers who were well-respected, served God faithfully, won souls. Now they're out of the ministry. Well, what happened? They didn't know their enemy. And in most cases, Christians who read their Bible, prayed, and attended church, and they knew nothing about resisting the devil. The promise in James 4, 7 is this, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's just as Bible folks as John 3, 16. So number one, think about the believer and the devil. Number one, the enemy that we face. Folks, we have an enemy named Satan, Lucifer, the son of the morning, who's as real as God himself. He's as real as Jesus Christ himself. He's a real, live, walking, talking, roaring devil. Dr. Dallas Billington had wrote a book entitled, God is Real. Well, someone needs to write a book entitled, The Devil is Real. Folks, don't be like the boxer who, after the first round, went back to their corner. His trainer patted him on the back and said, go back and get him this next round. He hasn't laid a glove on you. He went back and fought the second round, and his opponent almost knocked him out. He staggered back to the corner. 
His trainer patted him on the back and said, go back and get him this round. He hasn't laid a glove on you. He went out again the third round and was knocked down twice with a count of nine and saved by the bell. They dragged him back to the corner. His trainer patted him on the back and said, go back and get him this next round. He hasn't laid a glove on you. And finally, the boxer said to his trainer, I'm going back and get him this next round. But keep your eyes on that referee because somebody is beating the tar out of me. (laughs) Now, folks, the devil is never more successful in defeating us in our lives and in our Christian lives and in our churches than when, when we, when he makes us think that he doesn't exist. Billy Sunday said, and I quote, I know the devil is real for two reasons. First, because the Bible says so. And second, because I've done business with him. End of quote. If the devil was too subtle for our unfallen parents, Adam and Eve in the garden, then we must be careful not to underestimate him also. President Roosevelt one time had a dog he thought was a good fighter. One day while out for a walk, an old mangy dog jumped on the president's dog and almost killed it. The FBI agents rescued the dog. On the way back to the White House, one of the agents said, Mr. President, I thought that dog was a good fighter. Mr. Roosevelt replied, he is a good fighter. He's just a poor judge of dogs. (laughs) End of quote. Now, folks, you may be a good fighter, Christian, but if you're a poor judge of your enemy, you will lose. The devil is powerful, but he is not omnipotent. He has limited power, only the power God has allowed him to have. For instance, Satan has the power to take thoughts out of human beings' minds. The Bible says, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart, or his mind. This is when they receive seed by the wayside, Matthew thirteen nineteen. A person hears the truth of the gospel, and before the truth can take root in their heart, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which is sown in their heart. Why is it that we have no problem remembering a beer or a a cigarette jingle, but we have difficulty memorizing Scripture? The problem is, no one's trying to take the beer jingles out, but there is one trying to take the Bible verses out as fast as the seed is sown in your mind, friend. We remember things we shouldn't remember and forget things that we should remember because Satan has power to take out of one's mind the seed once it's sown. Another example that the the devil has power, but it's restricted. He also has, number two, the power to put thoughts into our minds. In Acts chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, We see some Christians, Ananias and Sapphira. They lied about their possessions. And in the next verse, Peter said to Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart or your mind to lie to the Holy Ghost? The word heart in this verse has reference to the mind, the center of the man's being. When we talk about the heart of the matter, we mean the center of the matter. When we talk about the heart of the earth, we mean the center of the earth. When we talk about the heart of the tree, we mean the center of the tree. Most of the time when the word heart is used in the Bible, it has a reference to the mind, not the physical pump. 
The scripture says in Proverbs 23, 7, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, you don't think in your heart, you think in your mind. The center of your being is your mind. This is the place of your emotions. This is the will and the intellect where decisions are made. Peter said to Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. In Acts chapter 5, verses 34, or rather verses 3 and 4. Now, where did Ananias get the idea to sell the possessions and keep part of it back and to lie about it? From the devil, from Satan. Satan put that in his mind or in his heart. Folks, the devil is subtle. He'll put dumb, crazy thoughts in your mind and make you think you have those thoughts yourself. He will say to you, uh, through your thought process, save people don't think like you're thinking. Have you been doubting your salvation over thoughts he had put in your mind? Folks, he's powerful, but he's not all-powerful, praise God. You see, temptation is always against scriptural principles. Temptation is a solicitation to do wrong. And wrong is anything contrary to the clear teachings of the Bible. Sometimes the devil tries to get us to do the right thing in a wrong way. Now, there's nothing wrong with sex within the bounds of marriage between a man and a woman. But Satan would have us satisfy those desires outside of marriage. In other words, do a right thing in a wrong way. In the three temptations Jesus faced, the devil did not try to get him to do a wrong thing, but rather a right thing in the wrong way. If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 3. Jesus had been fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward he wasn't hungered. Jesus had been fasting, and there's nothing wrong with a hungry man eating bread. But there is something wrong with Jesus acting independently of God and commanding stones to be turned into bread. Satan took Jesus up on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands he shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. That's in Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. Now, folks, there's nothing wrong with trusting God to protect you if you fall. But there is something wrong with getting up into a window and jumping out in order to demonstrate your faith in God. That's silliness. God didn't give that thought to you. The devil did. The devil tried to get Jesus to live by chance and not by faith. The Bible said the just shall live by faith. In other words, the justified, the saved, the redeemed by the blood of Christ, a Christian. Satan took Jesus up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and said unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Matthew 4 and verse 9. Now get this. There's nothing wrong with Jesus, Jesus having all the kingdoms of the world. Someday he will have, when he is king of kings and lord of lords, and everything under heaven is subject unto him. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But there is something wrong with Jesus getting all the kingdoms of the world by bowing down and worshiping the devil. The devil wanted Jesus to take a shortcut to enjoy the crown without going to the cross, without suffering. But Jesus 
knowing that worship and service went together, answered, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Luke chapter 4 and verse 8. The devil is so subtle that it's almost frightening, folks. He is going to bug us. Get this now until you go to be with the Lord, either through the valley of the shadow of death or through the rapture. He's never going to give up on you, Christian friend. He will be standing around when we press a dying pillow trying to get us to do something wrong. There is a, listen to me close, listen folks, listen. There is a real, live, walking, talking, roaring devil. He's walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He has devoured many Christians. He's ruined their testimonies. He's ruined their influence in this day and time. Now, I don't mean that they went to hell, but that they were useless in the work of the Lord. But I'm grateful that Proverbs 16.24 says, A just man or a justified man, a saved person, falleth seven times, but riseth again. God brings that person and picks that person up. If they're redeemed by the blood of Christ, God will pick them up convict them of their sins, once they confess those sins, cleanse them from all unrighteousness, and restore them into the paths of righteousness, Psalm 23, for God's name's sake. But think about this. The devil is real. He's as real as Jesus. He's as real as Southern Illinois' existence. He's as real as you are. Don't underestimate him. He's the enemy that we face. The enemy is the devil. Number two, about the believer and the devil. Notice the exhortation to fight. The Bible exhorts us to fight. James chapter 4 and verse 7 says, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The word resist literally means to fight back. The police officer goes to arrest a man, and the man resists arrest. What does that mean? It means he's doing everything in his power to keep the police policeman from arresting him he's fighting back when satan attacks the average christian prays now there's nothing wrong with praying but the promise is not pray and i'll make the devil flee from you the promise in james 4 7 is resist the devil and he will flee from you that's the promise resist him many christians don't know what to do or Many Christians don't know what it is to have the devil flee because they've never resisted the devil in the name of Christ. The average Christian never hears much about the enemy, and as a result, most of that Christian's actions are Godward. But God didn't promise, pray, and I'll make the devil flee from you. He did not say, tithe, and I will buy him off. He didn't say, go so winning, and he won't bother you. What he did say was, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Resist is the key word. In order for the devil to flee, we must resist him. One of Andrew Jackson's boyhood friends said, and I quote, I could throw Andrew nine out of ten times, but he would not stay throwed. Unquote. Billy Bray, the Cornish miner, often did battle with the devil. He was digging little shriveled up potatoes in his garden one day. The devil began to put thoughts in Billy's mind. Billy, if God loved you, you would have to you would have big, nice potatoes instead of these little shriveled up ones. And he kept bothering Billy until Billy shouted with a loud voice, You devil, 
I've got your character at home in a book, and it says in John chapter 8 and verse 44 that you're a liar and the father of all liars. Besides that, when I served you, devil, I didn't have a tater at all. Now I got a bunch. Now get, Billy Bray said, and I quote, Billy Bray did what we must learn to do. Resist the devil. Fight him back, folks. Fight him back with the word of God, and he will flee from you. Take a Bible promise and fight him back. He's defeated by the blood of Christ. He's a defeated character, but he doesn't want you to think he is. Not every single verse in the Bible tells you to run from the devil. There is a verse that says, flee also youthful lusts. But the Bible never says flee from the devil. The Bible says to make the devil flee from you. Most Christians take only Godward action. For instance, worrying over unpaid bills. They find it difficult to go to sleep. So they pray for help not to worry. There's nothing wrong with, there is nothing wrong with praying, and we should pray about everything. But the problem is, those worries are put in the mind, your mind, by Satan. He's saying, you can't pay your bills. What are you going to do next week when the other bills come due? And we read in Philippians 4, verse 6, listen to the Scripture, God's Word. The Bible is God's Word. And when we open the Bible, we're opening the mind of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Listen to this. Here's how it'll profit you. When the devil tempts you, Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry about even one thing. Now, the devil says worry, but God says don't worry not even about one thing. The only way to get rid of the worry is to take action against the devil. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The moment you begin to worry, realize that this is the devil telling you to do something that God has already told you not to do. God said, don't worry about even one thing. And the devil is putting that thought in your mind to worry about how your bills are going to get paid. Now, the way to get rid of the worry is to resist the devil. How is that? Fight him back with Scripture. Have Scripture in your mind. That's why it's important to memorize verses of Scripture, friends. It's imperative that we do that. It is, folks. How do we fight him back? With the only weapon that we have as a Christian that's in the Christian armor. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the shield of faith. We have the breastplate of righteousness. And our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. But you must take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Bible, the Word of God. It's the only offensive weapon that we have. The sword is the only offensive weapon mentioned. And the sword of the Spirit is just as sharp as it ever was. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.12. For the Word of God is quick. That means it's alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Later, Folks, under the heading, the example to follow in this message, if we get to it, we'll discuss how in detail how the Christian can effectively effectively use the sword of the Spirit to resist the devil. But first, let's say this quickly. I'm about running out of time. We're talking about the devil or the believer in the devil. And we're seeing, number one, that we are the enemy that we face is the devil. Number two, we've seen the exhortation to fight the devil. God says, fight him, resist him. Number three, with what time I've got left. That's very few. Notice the example to follow. There's a great example of this recorded in Matthew chapter 4. Here we have the temptation of Jesus and a beautiful picture of his resisting the devil. 
A careful study of this passage will show you exactly, folks, how it's done. The devil doesn't fight fair. He attacks you at your weakest point. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. once said, and I quote, when temptation and opportunity meet, we are in trouble, end of quote. Jesus had fasted 40 days, and he was afterward and hungered. Then the devil came saying, if thou be, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Verse three. Folks, if you've ever had a bout with liquor before, then before, then you know how it is to be tempted to drink or with prescription drugs or with illegal drugs or with food or with any hobby that you may become addicted to and abuse. The devil attacks where you're the most vulnerable. When Jesus was hungry, Satan said, command that these stones be made bread. Now, folks, listen close. If you get discouraged preacher, pastor in the ministry, Christian friend, and you want to leave your church, don't be surprised if you get an offer from a very good job. If you and your wife can't get along and you're fighting and fussing and your relationship's poor, don't be surprised if a beautiful woman about 15 years younger shows up and tells you that you're the most handsome thing she's ever seen. If you are six months behind on your bills and are worrying yourself to death, don't be surprised to have someone giving, offer you a get-rich-quick scheme. Satan didn't attack when our Lord had just finished a good meal and say, If thou art the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Rather, it was after our Lord had fasted forty days and nights and was hungry. And Jesus responded, Listen, it is written. In other words, in the Scripture, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Jesus used the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God, the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, to counter temptation. The temptation amounts to the devil said, and the answer to the tempter and the way to resist the devil is to tell him what God said. It is written. Get the scriptures in your heart. Memorize verses to combat the devil and the areas that you're tempted in, friends. Jesus used a verse from the Old Testament that was appropriate for the temptation. To resist the devil simply means to fight back with the only offensive weapon we have, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the Bible. Now, I don't have much time left. But I want to tell you, if you're not saved, listen to Pastor David right now. God loves you. Christ died for your sins. He shed his blood on the cross. He was buried in the tomb and resurrected the third day according to the scriptures. He took your sins in his own body on the tree, and not yours only, but the sins of the whole world, and died in your place. You are a sinner. You owe a sin penalty, a sin debt, and you have nothing to offer God to pay for that. Nothing. Your good works, your money, your philanthropy, your charity, your good position in the community, your church membership, your sacraments, your baptism, your Sunday school pen, nothing will satisfy God's holy, just demand for righteousness to pay your sin penalty. But God so loved you, he sent his only begotten sinless son, Jesus, to die on the cross, and he paid for your sins. And if you want Jesus to be your Savior, God will take your, he will take what Jesus did, his blood, and apply it to your life and forgive you on the basis of Jesus' righteousness and not yours. The righteousness of Jesus will be given to you when you, by faith, put your trust in Jesus to be your Savior. Would you like to be saved and know you're going to heaven? 
Bow your, pray, bow your head with me right now and follow me in this simple prayer of faith and mean it, mean it from the sincerity of your heart. Jesus, please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and save my soul. I'm trusting you and you alone to be my Savior and take me to heaven. Amen. The Bible says you've been born again spiritually, John chapter 3, by doing that. Write me and let me know. I have some information I'd like to share with you. Email me at drdave13 at gmail.com. D-R-D-A-V-E-1-3 at gmail.com. And we'll be glad to correspond with you and get you some information. Christian, you have an enemy. Your enemy is not in the White House. Your enemy is not in the State House or the Capitol building. Your enemy is not in the courthouse. Your enemy is not even in your house. Your enemy, Christian, is the devil, Lucifer, the son of the morning. He's going to be cast alive 1,000 years one day into the bottomless pit, and he knows it. And he's trying to discourage you, Christian, to give up the ministry, to quit serving Jesus, to quit winning souls, to quit praying, and to give up to quit singing, and to quit doing what God has gifted you to do. But don't do it. Stand fast in Jesus Christ. You are a victor in Jesus. Remember what the Bible says, that we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand true to Christ. He'll give you the victory. Trust Him by faith. And keep looking up. Jesus is coming again. This has been the Good Tidings radio broadcast. Jesus is Good Tidings. Jesus is in control. Jesus is coming again. Live for Christ. Serve Christ. Tell the world about Jesus and have a song on your heart and a smile on your face because you are more than a conqueror through him. That's Jesus who loved you. God bless every one of you. Oh, yes. So fear not, fear not.